Let's visit the 90s all over again. Put on those hammer pants. This is Dope Nostalgia. It's very good to have you here for episode 72 of Dope Nostalgia. I'm your host, Naomi. So I, this is the first time where I was able to get every single member of one group to come on the show. We talked with Jake, right? We talked with Angela, both a farmer's daughter, and now we've talked with Shauna Ray. Shauna Ray Samagrad will be joining us today all the way from Florida. And uh, we had a beautiful, beautiful conversation about her experiences as a country music singer and uh, everything she went through in Farmer's Daughter and what she's up to now. So we're going to be getting to that interview very shortly. I won't be doing a Wikipedia moment today because since we have covered the history of Farmer's Daughter, this is just going to be a straight up wonderful conversation. But before we get into it, I'd like to tell you a little bit about what's happening in Dope Nostalgia News. Hot off the presses, you got to adjust those rabbit ears. You got that antenna pulled up? It's time for some Dope Nostalgia News. Remember those awesome guests we had back on the show back last year? The band Riff, the R&B singing vocal group. They're amazing, right? Well, if you go to their YouTube channel right now at Riff Sounds, R-I-F-F Sounds, they just uh, one day ago put out an amazing cover of the song You're the Inspiration by Chicago originally. But man, it just sounds so beautiful. Their voices nail it. Go check it out. Riff's brand new track on YouTube, Riff Sounds. Another past guest we had on the show has just released a brand new EP called The Sunset Sessions, Chesney Hawks. You can check him out on Instagram at Chesney Hawks Official. That's C-H-E-S-N-E-Y-H-A-W-K-E-S Official. Sunset Sessions EP with four brand new tracks. One of them, a duet featuring Nick Kershaw. So Chesney Hawks, check it out. Joining me now for the show is another member of Farmer's Daughter, the amazing Canadian country group. Welcome Shauna Ray Samagrad to the show. much for joining me today on Dope Nostalgia. And I'm so happy that I was able to contact all three of you for the show today. And wow, from what I understand, you're from my hometown, Edmonton. I am an Edmonton girl. Okay, so I am actually from a very small town called Innisfree, Alberta. I know of it. Do you really? Okay, because the only thing we had there was what we called the Highway Cafe. And it's close to Renfrewley, Murnham, and Vegreville. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's Innisfree is my hometown. I left. Uh, we left. Me, my part of my family left when I was very young, and I went to Texas. And so I grew up part of my life in Texas as well. But my dad and my brother always stayed in and around the Edmonton area. And my sister married a boy from Edmonton and they've got a lake house at Pigeon Lake. And so when I come home to Canada, even though I lived in Vancouver for many years, when when Farmer's Daughter was touring, we based out of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, Edmonton has always been where I go to visit family. And I'm planning a, a, a big trip at Christmas time. I've been haven't been home in in a couple of years. This COVID thing has kind of kicked everyone's butts, but um, mm-hmm. planning a big trip home at Christmas. See, that's the thing I was wondering because, like, obviously, did you did you um, how are things going there where you live with COVID right now? Okay, so I'm in South Florida. Um, I am in a, a town called Lighthouse Point. Mm. We're between Fort Lauderdale and West Palm. Okay. So, I mean, for, yeah, I I say Fort Lauderdale because people know where it is, Yeah. but we're, so it is a loaded question. Mm -hmm. Um, Our numbers here are really not great, Mm -hmm. but luckily in my community where I live and in my office where I work and the people that I'm surrounded by, um, we've not had a bad outbreak my upstairs, we, we've had a few cases around us, but I, I've stayed safe. Thank goodness. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. I, it's been difficult. I can understand why uh, hopefully at, by Christmas, it'll be so nice for you to come back to Edmonton and visit your family. Fingers crossed. Like this was okay. the whole thing with me coming from South Florida and my brother and sister being up there and my dad and my stepmom, my mom is down here in Florida where she and I are, are here together, hmm. but they're like, do we really want to have two visitors from where you are, where the numbers are so much worse. And in, in, you know, we had to pay attention to what was good for the kids, et cetera. So hmm. we have not been, neither one of us have been for well over a year. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to be honest with you, Alberta's numbers are not great. <laughs> I, I know the- I've been kept abreast. My, um, my sister-in-law is one of the news producers uh, at CBC. Okay. And so she feeds me very good information. I know they're not great. Yeah. They were for a while, right? Yeah. It's a, yeah. We're, we, we just got a new third lockdown last week yeah. back to closing the restaurants and everything. So but people are getting vaccinated slowly, but surely, I guess it's a progress there. Doing the same here. I've actually just got my second shot on Wednesday. Oh, good. I'm so happy for you. My arm is still sore. How was your reaction overall? The first, uh, the second one was a breeze. The first one uh, made me really, really tired and I got weird um, cold symptoms. Yeah. Which is super unusual for me. Uh, I don't typically get the flu or the cold uh but yeah it th- I got weird the, the first one was tough the second one nothing I mean except yeah. that it feels like a bruise so you got a strong immune system <laughs> I think so that's what you need yes um, so what brought you to living in Florida well it's a multitude of things um but really honestly my mom and, and her partner her husband of many, many years. They've had this wonderful place to live. It's been what we consider a family vacation home for a a lot of years. Mm. And um, 
he fell ill and we were dealing with the with that and she was here with this place and she was on her own and I was in Nashville and I was going through a pretty, uh, well, I, I have to be careful with how I phrase this. I was going through a divorce and a liquidation of my businesses there mm-hmm. and the stars aligned so that it made sense for me to come here at that time with the business venture that I had going with what was happening with John and my mother. And so, um, and well, I, well, I've been here ever since. And, but, but, why it's complicated is because I went to college down here. Oh, did you? Yeah. So I'm an international relations and political science major. And that's wonderful. FIU in Miami had, there was two programs that I was looking at uh, when I graduated uh, and I I graduated from a boarding school in Alberta in Lacombe. Okay. Um, I was looking at ASU and FIU and I chose FIU and I'll be completely honest because I decided over, I decided I wanted to live near the ocean over the desert. Right. <laughs> All about location, baby. So yeah. I came to FIU and I lived in South Beach and I bartended my way through college and I worked for Ralph Nader and I did all this wild, not like not crazy wild, but academically just really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with South Florida. And wow. I knew when I left, and I left to, to start this, the band Farmer's Daughter, um, my cousin Jake, who I know you've, you've already done the thing with, mm-hmm. she called me and said, how do you feel about coming up to Vancouver and doing this demo for, I have this idea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to South America and I'm going to take my degree and I'm going to be a research person and blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, just come up and do the demo. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, what could it hurt? And then I got into the studio with her. And at that time, we were, we were still trying to find, you know, that perfect third. And I got into the studio and I just moved to Vancouver and went on the road. You just knew. I knew like, I mean, within 30 minutes of being of the recording process, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. Yeah. I'm so glad you took that chance. I bet you, uh, you've had such an amazing career of memories during that time. I, I think, imagine. I think that we were very, very blessed overall. I think, uh, I think Jake and Ange will, will say the same thing. Um, you know how the, you you work in it. You know the music business. You know the odds, and right. the, for for us to have had the 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 longevity that we did for the the amount of time that we did to do what we got to do. Um, I think all three of us feel like that was we were we worked really hard. Like there's no question about it. We worked yes. really really hard. So it's not all luck, but there is some luck involved, you know? Oh, there is because there's some hugely talented artists out there who never catch a break. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and some of the hardest working artists that I know don't have any sort of the recognition that they should and, Mm -hmm. and, and the most talented. So, you know, it's when sometimes you have a perfect storm and maybe the three of us are that, you know, just maybe that's what, what we were the three of us like I like the idea of the three of us being a perfect storm that would be a good album title actually Mm -hmm. um 
yeah, we, we hit, we hit the right things at the right time. And it doesn't always work that way. You know that. No, no, absolutely not. It is like a storm. It's like that lightning strike right mm -hmm. there. Now with both of you being cousins, you and Jake, does that mean that there was a musical um, inclination in your family? Like 100%. your parents and such are also musicians? A hundred percent. So on, so Jake and I are related on my, our mother's side. So her mom and my mom are sisters. Jake and I are first cousins, right? Jake's dad is also an incredible musician, Jerry. That's who her mom married. And then he became our manager. And okay. they were, they did the gospel, like they, the Lyskis did the gospel train, mm -hmm. but my mom also did the gospel train with Rita and Jerry when we were all kids. And my mom's, th that whole side of the family grew up where I guess kind of like it, like, have you talked to any East coast musicians, you know, like yes. Maritimers, you yep. know how the family culture or the social culture is really based around music. It's like a, what do they call that? The Nova Scotia kitchen party? Yeah, everyone's the kitchen like, party. I think that that's the way my mom's side grew up. Like that was kind of the way that they entertained themselves. And there was seven kids in that family and they're all really talented. Mm. And so, so were my grandparents. And so they spent, they all play instruments like they and the brothers can all sit down and like play the piano and the sisters all sing harmony and for them that was just normal and so yes we did grow up that way and so jake's mom and my auntie rita and my mom willie and my uncle jerry who's jake's dad and my dad who's marvin who still lives in alberta they were all on the road together my dad drove the bus and ran sound and they all sang and we were, they just packed up the kids and we were like, we're going on tour and we're like, yay. And we, we've got a nanny and a tutor. And, but so that was very much normal for us. Yeah. And, and my mom and Rita and my uncle Jerry, they, you know, Jake and my, the, I, there's, I have a sister and, and she's in Alberta. She's also a very good singer. She just never, she was never, she's like, that's just not me. I'm not like whacked out enough to be an artist. And she's not. And then me, I was the little bitty one. They taught us to sing three parts when we were like, I don't know, two, four, and six. And then they would, like, oh, yeah. they would throw us out on stage with microphones in the center of their gospel show and be like, let's welcome the kids. And then I mean, I, we were literally singing three parts since we were, I think I was two, maybe three. But there's a picture of it because I, I think my, my mom and Jake's mom exaggerate a lot, like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a picture of us on stage with our microphones. And I swear to God, I've just got my, I just got my glasses. I'm two years old. And so I'm like, oh, well, but they, maybe they didn't exaggerate that one. That is young. Oh, but it's not amazing though, look, because my, look, my mother is here and she just brought the picture that I'm talking about. Oh, wow. <laughs> you can hear me. She just brought this in. She just snuck it in. She's like, here's the picture. Yeah. Thank have, you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Willie. She can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's wonderful. So yeah, I mean, that, that is how we all grew up. Hmm. 
And Jake and I, I think we learned, we also lived in Paris together. Um, because who doesn't, when they graduate high school, just move to Paris and become a nanny. My sister, Jake, and Stephanie and I, we all went to Paris together. We worked as nannies, Jean-Dieu Père. And at that time, we also were street performers because also who doesn't do that? Because it's not it's normal. Um, <laughs> but Jake and I learned at that time in our, our adult lives that when we sang together, there was a genetic connection. Mm-hmm. And she, we're, we're in totally opposite ranges. Like I'm a very, very low, I have a very low range. I'm a contralto. She has a very high range. She's, she can sing higher and more powerfully than almost anyone I know. Um, and that's why we always had to find that middle person. Cause yeah. you know, we don't, we're like here and here, but we learned when we were living in Paris that when we sang together, something clicked and that I don't think like I look at like other harmony bands like Wilson Phillips and I think they have the same kind of a thing where they're related and there's something about it that's just weird it's almost like you know where the other person's going to go indeed before they do it indeed there's an intuition about it but there's also this weird um there's a tonality and a lock when you go to parts where it locks in Mm. and it's a zen thing and um I'm sure there's lots of like, I mean, listen to the Jack, there, there's so many family bands. There's a reason for that. It's because there's a family connection, but then Jake and I also had to find that center. And that center was, we, there was a couple of other people that didn't necessarily work. And then we found Angela. I always call her Kelman and I apologize in advance because she doesn't really like it. <laughs> then we found Kelman and the lock was, um, what we were, we knew it, we knew it instantly because her voice somehow fit with our voices without trying. So much to do with harmony is about tone. Just like you said, the tonality of it, everyone could be hitting the right notes and it's not necessarily right. Unless the tones match. That's right. Absolutely correct. Yes. So, and it's amazing because there's a lot singing harmony is not easy for a lot of people. A lot of people can't do it. It's true. They can't, they can't separate in their mind from the melody. It's true. A lot of people just don't like, it does not make sense to them. And then there's some people who you could hear a a harmony as easily as you could hear a melody. Mm -hmm. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. I think that those people come out. I think everyone comes out a certain way. Yeah. I think it can be taught, but I think finding a harmony is more of a natural um, inclination. I think it's an organic process. I really do. Yeah. Uh, That's one of the best things I find is when you you hear that harmony that just hits or while you're singing it yourself and it just feels so good when you hit the right, like mix with the people you're singing with. It's just beautiful. You know it, you know it. So you're a singer. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Of course you are. Of course you are. I mean, that's you, you wouldn't be doing anything this interesting probably if you were not, if you were not. It's definitely the reason why I wanted to start a podcast is because of my huge interest in music, of course, but just getting to know everybody's stories and where they developed from and where they are now is really important. Like what has life, where has life taken you since Farmer's Daughter? It has been a very, pardon me, interesting road. Um, So 
when when our when farmer's daughter started winding down um i had gotten involved with our guitar player when i say gotten involved we ended up married i mean he was oh, 17 years we were together mm-hmm. and he's from nova scotia so i during the, all the years that we toured i spent a lot of time in nova scotia and it's one of my favorite places on the planet ah. um shaker so his name was shaker is shaker he's still with us today um, in the world, I mean, he and I had decided that we wanted, when Farmer's Daughter started winding down, we wanted to go to Nashville. We both had wanted to go to Nashville for many, many years. And so we did. We worked on, I, I got a couple of publishing deals that were a little bit transient. So I was working with different publishing houses. I was just, I just worked on the row as a writer for a couple of years. And, but then we, we started um, another band called Shaker and he and I picked up a development deal that, and we worked on, we worked on getting signed to a major label in Nashville with um, a very impressive group of people and a fabulous band that he and I put together. And the, the producer of Diamond Rio, whose name is Mike Clute, um, who's to this day, one of my favorite people. Um, we worked really hard for about five years to, to to make it go and it just we just didn't get the traction that we were looking for Mm -hmm. and so that was five years after we had moved and at that point on the row I I was I was growing a little bit weary I'll be honest so I decided in my infinite wisdom that it would be a fabulous idea for me to I'm, I'm a yogi and have been for years I love yoga almost as much, not as much as I love music, but almost as much. So I wanted to open a yoga studio. And then a friend of mine was looking at opening a a cosmetic bar. And then we decided that we would blend the two with a day spa. And so anyways, I ended up in the day spa business. I owned and operated two different spas in Nashville for a good, almost 10 years. And the first one that I opened was Magnolia in East Nashville. And I don't know if you've spent any time in Nashville, but East is, um, East is my hood. Yeah. Uh, East is, East is, um, East Nashville is one of the most interesting, wonderful, artistic, it's where just all the musicians and artists live. Mm. Um, so I ran my day spa with my partner there, um, and for a, a good long time, picked up another one in Hendersonville, bought a house out in Hendersonville, lived out in the country for a good long time, which was different. And I mean, it was a beautiful house on five. I mean, it was a great house on five acres. Um, but what I discovered at that time really is that I'm kind of a little bit more of a city girl. Right. <laughs> but so yeah, that. That, those were the Nashville years. And I was in Nashville for dating and aging myself sweetie darling uh 17 years yeah yeah and that's what I was doing I was busy with I was doing music and I was running my own businesses and um and then um I that's what I then I came back to South Florida Hmm. um and that had a lot to do with what was happening with me personally and and the marriage and uh it was time for a change of scene it was time for a new scene. Uh, East Nashville has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
neither good nor bad, just not the thing that just I'm different. Talking. Yeah, just different. And like not the thing that I fell in love with. Not not necessarily the neighborhood that I fell in love with. Um, I still love to go back. I, my, my people are all still there and I love I visit Nashville often. So I came to South Florida. I resumed sort of being I wanted to be near the water. I want to be able to go to the beach when I want to go to the beach. And I was working for a floral repurposing company, um, which was based out of Manhattan. And um, we would go to big events where there, there was a great budget for florals. And then we would um, collect them, break them down into smaller arrangements and deliver them to nonprofits. So I came. Oh, wonderful. It was fabulous. It was super fabulous. Jake actually and I worked together on that project for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that sort of ran its course. And I have gone to work for a, I, I've become a logistics account executive and I'm working as a freight forwarder, not a freight forwarder. I shouldn't say that. I'm a broker now yeah. and I move freight around the world internationally. <laughs> Sounds lucrative. It is, it is. And yeah. it's challenging and it's bizarre. I, like there's the percentage of women that work in this field is very, very small. Um, it's a very aggressive environment, which sounds weird for a songwriter to go into, but it's been very challenging for me. And, um, I've been doing that now for two years and I quite like it. That's incredible. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I see my tears cause I've done my crying. There's no use in me denying my old friend, this lonely gypsy. to pretend the same anxiety is settling in that I'm close but I still ain't home you don't know the life and the time I've spent trying to get the living out from under my skin I get myself convinced and What's um as a performer now over the years, did you always feel you were a natural on stage or did you suffer from stage fright at any point? How easy did it come to you to, to do live performance? That is a wonderful question, actually. You know that there was nothing really about being on stage. I was never bothered about being on stage. I think that part is natural. In fact, I'm quite at home performing. I'm quite at home singing and being in front of an audience. The only thing that weirded me out about that whole process was 
once you once you achieve a certain level and you become like people somehow find your life interesting Mm -hmm. and then you kind of have to it's weird like being getting out of the bus at a bus stop at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of the of manitoba looking and feeling not great and then what there being people there who want to take a picture with you or get your autograph you know what i mean so the the part where people started focusing in on what you're what you were doing all the time that was the only part that was ever weird to me the singing and playing part as long as i had jake and angela next to me and our band who are just they were just killer all of all of them all the time yeah that part was just fun like really really fun and that's when you're on that's when you're working that's when you're in your groove and then it feels like there's a sense of loss of privacy from what you're describing, where you don't have your down mo- your down moments just to be a normal human? A little bit, yeah. And it's not yeah. like, I mean, we, we, were, we were famous to a degree and we weren't like superstars, we, like we're no Celine Dion, but there's, there's this weird thing that comes along with it where I give, I give all celebrities, like really, really famous people like Beyonce, mm. huge props for being able to deal because there's a point at which if you're like, what if you have, the flu and you're really tired yeah <laughs> and you yep. don't want anybody coming up to you or you don't want people taking pictures that sounds like a silly first world problem and i i 100 recognize that all i'm trying to say is that that was the only part that i found awkward right the other it's- the rest of it like singing playing writing recording that to me was all just fun you can't be expected as a human being to always be on. I don't think so. And and people you know? are also really hard on you. Like I remember musically, I think that the press was always quite uh, generous with us. They were always quite good to us because we were, we were, we are very solid musically. Like as a band, we were very solid. I think we made good choices. We were always very serious about what we were doing creatively. We were serious as writers and we were very serious as performers. We put a lot of energy and time into our show. We took it very seriously. But I remember times where we were really panned in the press for our appearance, you know, for our wardrobe choices or our hair choices. And it's like, really, is that the most important part? Because I don't know, I feel like the, <laughs> There might be a more important message than what we're singing than what we wore. And why? What did they expect you to be wearing? Like, you were well presented, beautiful outfits, put together wonderfully. I don't know what anybody would expect otherwise. You know what I mean? But, you know, here's the the deal is that everyone has an opinion. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone, including... It doesn't matter like what walk of life, what profession, where you came from. If you have listened to Farmer's Daughter, which I'm grateful, grateful, grateful that anyone did, then you have an opinion mm-hmm. and people don't care. Like, they will walk up to you and tell you their opinion. <laughs> it's just like, really? Because we labored over that song for like, I don't know, maybe two months. And you're here to tell me that you think that this part of it is wrong or weak or it, it's very, uh, but also with, with the, 
with the appearance thing, I think people who are in the spotlight in general, it's really hard, but I think people are especially hard on women. Yes. Especially hard on women. And when it's a three chick group, you know, it's, it's just like uh, all bars, all holes barred. Like the, mm-hmm. people don't care. They're just like, well, that looked good. That didn't, that was great. That was horrible. I don't know. That part was weird too. The expectation out of a female performer is ridiculous at times. I mean, it, look, it the big, biggest example is look what happened to Britney Spears. I know. Right. Here's the deal. And that's the thing. It's like, okay. So everything that, yeah everything that she did and everything that she's accomplished. And now we're focusing on, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Right. Like it's, she's worked very hard to be where she is and people are focusing on trivial things. They're making up things about her. They're just, you know, it's, it's terrible that, that women have to go through things like that in this industry. It is. And I I don't know that it will ever change. Um, You have to be thick skinned and you know, this, you have to be thick skinned as hell to keep some sort of compass about yourself. Like mm-hmm. you have to, you have to know what <laughs> you have to be. I give people like Beyonce <clears throat> an incredible amount of props because I think, I don't think Beyonce has ever lost sight of what, who she is as an artist doesn't matter exactly. if she's a superstar. It doesn't matter that she is, you know, one of the most sought after. She's just a superstar, but she still keeps coming out with really interesting music. Yep. And her performances are always interesting. Um, there's several, I mean, we could go on and on. We could talk about this for hours. <laughs> it's true. After these messages, we'll be right back. Podcasting is so much fun, but it's kind of expensive too. We got to pay for stuff like licensing fees, hosting fees, long distance phone calls, etc., etc. You get the drill? Okay. Well, we have a new thing called Patreon. Now, Dope Nostalgia has a Patreon account where you can subscribe to premium content. And what that means for you is for the very low starting price of $1 a month, you'll be able to get the podcast two days in advance of the regular release. Not only that, $3 a month, you get exclusive video content just for you guys to check out bonus stuff all the time that you don't get with the regular show. So check it out, patreon.com slash dope nostalgia. Become a subscriber today and get all the good perks. Tonight, from wherever in the world you are listening, Give a big hand for your host. Hello, I'm Easy Bickley May from Price Tag Pod, and I'm so excited to be a part of the Dope Nostalgia Podcast. Price Tag Pod is a new cheesy game show podcast due to release on April 2nd. Price Tag Pod attempts to put a price tag on your dignity, and to do this, the show breaks down into three easy parts. First, we ask our guests 11 uniquely ridiculous questions. 376 pounds. You have edible glitter in all of your drinks for life. Oh, who who would agree to that? No, never. $500, Tim. Oh, $500. For the whole of next year, you have to have a mullet and a mustache. Ooh. 
hundred dollars. Would you drink from your best friend's toilet bowl? Oh. Next, we negotiate a price. Hundred and ten pounds. Oh, I think it's definitely worth more. How much you got, pal? Give me one. Give me a number. Let's do two hours of your pay then. Let's do twenty-two dollars. Twenty-two oh one. I'll take twenty-two oh one. All right, we'll do twenty-two oh one. You just want a weird number, right? Then at the end of the show, we calculate the total: three hundred and seventy thousand seven hundred and eighty-four dollars and ninety-five cents. You were worth three hundred and ninety-five thousand seven hundred and seventeen bucks. Nice. That's like almost a two-bedroom condo where I live. And that's it. We have fun. The guests have fun, and we see how cheap or expensive people's self-worth really is. To follow the show, just type price tag pod into your friendly neighborhood Google engine and we'll show up somewhere. Have a great week and we'll see you on the show. memorable performances in Farmer's Daughter? It's a very good question. Um, I go back to Freeway at the CCMAs. And, and this was a big one. I have another one that was the opening of um, the museum in Nova Scotia, but we were allowed to debut a brand new song that had never been played on radio at the award shows at the award show at the CCMAs, which is not protocol. Um, they don't want artists coming on and playing new material. It's important. Mm -hmm. I mean, the artists are there to celebrate what they've done in the past year and the fans are watching because they want to hear uh, you perform those songs that they know from the radio. Catering to the masses. 100 percent yeah you know what no one's moving any pro at that time we weren't moving any n nothing was moving if we weren't catering to the masses but they the ccmas allowed us to debut our the first single of the third album which was freeway on that award show mm -hmm. and it was a risky move and it worked out Although we got, we did get some weird reviews on the clothing on that one. Um, but that was really, it was big because we fought for it. And that part of what we did as a team, which was me and Jake and Ange and Jerry, our manager, part of what we did was we really stuck hard to what we believed in. And we, we, we smashed through a bunch of barriers. Mm -hmm. And that was a, that was a big one of, Jerry was just like, well, if you want the daughters, if you want, not today, if you want Farmer's Daughter to perform live on the show, we're going to do the brand new single. And they're like, 
well, it, no one knows it. And he's like, we don't care. <laughs> and they said, okay, we want you on the show. That was a big deal. It was a big deal. Um, we were invited to open the Hank Snow Museum in, it's in Nova Scotia. It's a, it's a British, it's a small town that has a British name. That was also a big deal. Like it was um, paying homage. It, like th there are certain Canadian artists that th have so come before you, who have so broken down so many barriers before you. That was truly an honor. Um, and then one other really silly moment, Farmer's Daughter, we got to be included in a lot of shows that were not country centric. And we were invited at one point to do the Des Moines Jazz Fest. And I, we, were, we were in New Brunswick or Ontario, it might've been Ontario at this beautiful theater. And there was all these fabulous performers and we were kind of new kids on the block. And we were also the only country act there. Mm -hmm. And Bruce Coburn, like Bruce Coburn was playing it, right? And wow. there was there was more than one time when all three of us were just starstruck at the same time. But like I, we were, I'm such a huge Coburn fan. And he happened, we, they had set up the green rooms in the back of the theater with just like curtains for partitions. So Jake and Angie and I had our own little partition, little green room and um, Bruce Coburn happened to be in the one next to us. And so we finished the show and he could hear us because with three women in one dressing room, the talking never stops. Uh -huh. um, he could hear us and he basically kind of fake knocked on the curtain and he was like, hey, farmer's daughter. And we're like, hey, what? He's like, it's Bruce Coburn. And we're like, oh. And he goes, I've got a bottle of wine. Do you want me to bring it over? Oh. And this just went. The curtain with this bottle of red and an opener, and we shared a bottle of red wine with Coburn backstage during the Demoria Jazz Fest at this theater, and I will never forget it. And That's such a cool experience. He was so freaking cool. He was such a gentleman, and he was so elegant, and I was so starstruck. And I'm going, I cannot believe this is happening right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What a good story. I'm so glad you shared that. That was a good one. If you're thinking back to the albums and the music that you made with Farmer's Daughter, what is one of your favorite deep cuts that never was a single? <sighs> Take your time. I can always edit if it takes no, a while. That, that, again, <laughs> such a good question. Um, there's a couple of them. Okay, first album, Overwhelming Sense of Goodbye. Mm. Um, and I could use a little tenderness, oh, both of those. Ah. Um, second album, this, that, and the other thing. Cool. And inclemency. Um, yes. Inclemency. And then third album. I kind of, I kind of wished off of the, of um, this is the life 
that we would have released there's two of again two of them i got two from each that's kind of not generous um this the 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 title track this is the life Mm -hmm. is um, i i think not because we wrote it we wrote it based on the story that we all experienced at the same time like it's we've got i've got this great sentimental attachment to it but i just think as a song Mm -hmm. and as a vocal performance jake sings the lead on that one it's extraordinary um, and I kind of wished that we would have released and made a single out of um, Let It Ride, the, B- yeah. the BTO cover. Sometimes you can't shake the rain when it keeps falling down. Maybe I'll leave this town Nobody will ever hear from me Or stay in bed and watch some sad old movie It's harder on days like these To make up your mind about the simple things Um, on the BTO song, Let It Ride, Randy Bachman was generous enough to come in and record that song with us. Really? Yes. So my ex-husband Shaker um, plays the mandolin riff, which is the original or electric riff. He just, used, we, we did kind of a bluegrass version of it. Um, Shaker plays the mandolin riff, but when it comes to the solo, Randy Bachman is playing, he's actually playing the solo and he sings with us on the, on the breakdown. What was working with him like? Randy Bachman was such um, a generous, good, sweet man. Mm. He was again, starstruck, right? Like these are people from childhood that you have grown up listening to. And you're like, Oh my God, is he going to come in here and be like, a you know, what's he going to be like? He was so good and he was so kind and he was so just whatever you would need or whatever you want. Like, I don't care. It's, this is fun. He <laughs> out with us for the whole day. Jake and Angie and I co-produced that album. Um, and so we had, we got to have a lot to say about what was going on. And he was just like, chill. He was so cool. He's like, he's happy to be there and be a part of it. it he really, he really was. And he was, he was like, you want me to play the original solo on an acoustic guitar in a different key? Really? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, give me two minutes. I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and he sure did. Yeah, we're going to need you to change the key. So. <laughs> like, you want me to do what? But we're like, I don't know if it's in with the arrangement. Mm-hmm. He did it. He didn't care. And we go, we go, you know, would you sing with us on the breakdown? He's like, well, what am I going to sing? I'm like an octave below the lead. He's like, sing it for me. Sang one line for him. He's like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> He's like, he just went into the studio and did it. Like no big deal. He was awesome. 
I got to hear that again. We're definitely putting a clip of that in the show. Excellent. <laughs> difference between American and Canadian country music? Any audible difference? There, you know, so yeah, I do, but, but Mm -hmm. it has to do with not so much what we consider roots music, where, where all of us take our inspiration from, where all of us grew up what we listen to and how that culminates into what we call country music that gets played on country radio. Mm-hmm. The Nashville scene is the the Nashville scene is not what is necessarily being played on country radio in the states, but Nashville is producing that music. But if you if you go if, like I lived like I said I lived there 17 years, right? And all Shaker and I we were just we were in it. We were in it as writers. We were in it as performers. He's a guitar player. He's wicked talented. He went on tour with Faith and Tim. I was, you know, doing backups at, at the the radio conference with Billy Ray Cyrus of all people. Like wow. we were in it. We were working on the row. We were in development with Mike Clute. It was every day, all day. And if you dive deep into what's actually going on in that town. On me, even on Music Row and over in the East, where all the cool bars are, and even on Lower Broad, there's the music is so good, and there's so much depth to it, and there's so the roots are so strong, mm-hmm. and then it filters up. It doesn't filter down in Nashville. This is my personal opinion, and probably going to piss some people off saying this, but it filters up to what they think is going to be the most marketable. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, here's where I think the difference here, I think the difference between what is marketable in the U S is different than what's marketable in Canada. I think mm-hmm. Canadians have more openness to a like real roots music. Yes. And in, in the U S We've created, or they've, they've, they've given it a whole nother name. It's a whole nother genre and it's Americana. Mm-hmm. And Americana is alive and well in the US. Does it get played on uh, big radio stations? Mm-mm. Mm. Does that make any sense? Yes, yes it does. Um, so, but the, so basically what, what's being produced in Nashville is made for making money in a commercial sense but the actual country music roots is Americana, where in Canada, the environment of music is more like roots-based. There's more influence from different, like I think there's probably more influence from, how do I say it? Folk music? 
yeah. possibly. Right. And and we have this wonderful, like you look at all native and, and, and any native um native artists who whether they're native Indian or, or native like Inuit, or if you look at all the artists that have come from the East Coast and the, the amount of with the, the Maritimes takes their influence from such different places. It's it's Celtic and it's from bluegrass. But I think Canadians in general and Canadian radio in general uh, are just way there. There's more. more there's more openness um, to what it is. Folk music, more of a multicultural aspect to to the product and the I end. Think so. That's where it's think- coming from. I do know. Remembering growing up in rural Alberta, though, as a, in junior high, the country music we were listening to was was what was on kissing and cfcw and it was coming and, and commercials a lot of that is coming from the states a lot yeah. of that is coming from the states yeah mm-hmm. i don't know i just i find i find there's a different openness between the two countries i don't like if far, farmer's daughter we're we were a vocal band that was our roots are based in harmony which really come from gospel and r&b and blues Mm-hmm. And then you put it into sort of a country blender. Would Farmer's Daughter have ever really gotten traction in the States? Well, we didn't. Did we get traction in Canada and Europe? We did. Mm-hmm. So the, I don't know that the music is so different, but what people are open to uh, buying maybe is more different. I don't yeah. know. I think you make total sense. And one of the things that appealed to me about Farmer's Daughter was the fact that there you could tell those different influences were there and it wasn't just country, the the harmonies especially. And the song that got my attention was Now That I'm On My Own. That song moves me. Okay, so Daryl Scott is the songwriter. And if you ever had the opportunity to talk with that man, um, he... But, but I mean, he, it's not, Daryl Scott is just a phenomenon. Um, and he's like, when I talk about Roots music in Nashville, where you can go to a tiny little joint, like the radio cafe that doesn't exist anymore. And there's maybe 30 people in the room. And Daryl Scott is just up on stage by himself doing a full two hour show. And you can't peel your eyes off of him because he's, and you, and you just can't stop crying because he's so talented mm-hmm. um that's why that song is so powerful it's because it was written by daryl scott now did we farmer's daughter's version of it that that song is a, it, it is a force there's no question but it's the, it's in the writing also like it's, oh it's a combination it, it, I, it is a combination it is a combination um it, and it, it hit it hit for the three of us like that perfect storm thing that I was talking about when we first heard it. We were like, "Wow, this is like this is crazy, rangy. This is going to be really hard for any female artist to, you know, record and nail." And then when we worked it out parts wise, where we could share the melody and share the range, it became this thing. Like it just that that song just took on a life of its own. Oh, totally. I mean, and there's definitely a lot of dynamics in it. Like the 
very many climactic points. I love your uh, pre-chorus. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It's really good. Thank you. That, uh, it's still, to this day, it's one of my favorites. And, I, and the video, a lot of people find really weird, but I still love the video with all of my heart. Yeah, I've watched it a couple times since I've been talking with you ladies and I, it always, always appealed to me. So thank you well, for making good. Good. That's, well, that's, that's, that's one recording. of my all-time favorites, that one. And um, if you could choose one artist that's a relatively newer artist to cover one of your songs, which artist and which song would you pick? Which would be tough too, because we, you got the harmonies there. So, I mean. I know, I know. I, and I don't think that I would choose right off the top of my head. I wouldn't go for a band. I think I would choose Billie Eilish. Nice. Immediately. I would, I would go Billie Eilish and I would go, oh, which song uh, would I have her sing? I would love to hear her version of Lonely Gypsy Wind. That's like cool. Weird brother to take it and make it slow and weird like they do because they're so good at it mm -hmm. and just have her take it, lyrically break it down and sing it however in the hell she wants to. That would be my choice. I love that. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be really good. As a music fan, do you have any guilty pleasures that you listen to? My only guilty pleasure I, so I work, so I, I work now as a broker and I'm in this office with all these dudes and they're, they're mostly all younger than me hmm. and they're not interested in, in like, yeah. So I have to, like, I, if I want to play my playlist in the office, I have to gauge it against the fact that they're playing like the baby and whatever like it's, it's like just all this crazy loud aggressive stuff i don't even know what that is and i'm, I'm just like, like so <laughs> not not hip with what's current it's aggressive rap music is what it is but there's some really cool r&b stuff in there it's just all new and it's all male and i i like latin jazz man like i want to listen to pink martini but probably my biggest guilty pleasure who i can never stop listening to and i will never apologize for but they mock me openly for is sade i freaking love that's sade. not anything to be guilty sade is a very talented artist she's wicked talented but all the guys <laughs> in my office are like seriously i'm like yeah no listen it's really good <laughs> You've opened their minds. Got to open their minds to uh, some different sounds. I love Latin music. Oh, man. Like authentic stuff you'd actually yeah. hear down visiting in, in an, a Latin country. It's beautiful. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Sade is my guilty pleasure. Isn't that crazy? She shouldn't be, but she is because they mock me. <laughs> well, they're silly. <laughs> mm -hmm. What's a concert that you went to? as a fan that changed your life or just straight inspired up, you? Really. I know, no, I have, I know the answer to this straight up. Um, Gwen Stefani, no doubt played um, on the riverfront in Nashville. And I was just living across the, the riverfront of that. Well, actually, no, I was still living out in the country at that time. And because Shaker and I had been there and been in the business for so long, we never, we, you know, we never went out to shows unless we were like playing or invited, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
which sounds so, so bougie, but it, it's just the way it goes. You get tired of it. You're already immersed in it day in, day out. Day yeah. in, day out. It's like, it's not fun anymore, but so no doubt did this, I think it was good morning America and they were doing a Nashville series. And so no doubt was playing on the riverfront and it was like a free show. And Shaker and I were like, I'm like, I'm going. He's like, okay, I'm going to. So we went, we got up close enough so that we had a kind of a good view. There was thousands of people out there. It was ridiculous. And I, I do have a bit of a crowd phobia, um, but that band live and her performance, I, I don't think she's like the greatest singer in the world, but she's one of the most interesting singers in the world. Mm. And her on stage, she's just magic. Yeah. And that band was so tight. They were so good. She could do anything. And they were just with her, with her, with her, with her, with her. She was up on the stacks. She was mm -hmm. jumping off of shit. She was all <laughs> over the place. She was throwing stuff around like her mic. She, she was that I, I just, I watched her perform and I'm like, I don't have, I have nothing. She was freaking amazing. And there, and that band No, I think no doubt is completely underrated. Um, Gwen Stefani is of course the voice of it. And of course she's the reason that that band became superstars, but musically they're playing ska, man. That's some complicated damn music. And it they, is, they didn't miss anything. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, that was my, my, I mean, I had so much joy watching that concert. I couldn't take my eyes off any of it. I and mean, I couldn't like, I couldn't take my ears off any of it. It was fantastic. She's still that's, my favorite. That's amazing. I have yet to see her live. That's got to be on the list. I don't know if she plays anymore. Like she's had all this, like she's, in, she's moved into such a different mode. She's like a TV star, mostly. <laughs> she's a TV star, and she's like such a glamour icon. And she's such a fashionista, and mm -hmm. Blake and her and the, all their, you know, it, 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 her. She's a media circus just by herself. Mm -hmm. But if she ever, if she ever reunites with that band, I would recommend it. Yes. <laughs> I, I I would love to see like a real organic, no doubt reunion where it's back to their roots and. Exactly. Uh, and I think her brother, Fantastic. her brother is one of the guys in that band. He was like, it, they, they kind of had a Billie Eilish deal going on where he's the producer of all that stuff too. And the co-writer was her on all this stuff. Mm -hmm. There's, there's something, there's just something there that um, it was electric. It was really, really good. Well, the last question I'm going to ask you today is if you were to go back and think about the nineties, what food or clothing item toy anything would make you nostalgic for the 90s something that you remember that stands out it's definitely not going to be food i'm not big on food um but it would definitely be clothing hmm. and it would definitely there's again two things why do i have a hard time like bringing it down to one i don't know we there was there was this weird phase that i think the spice girls kind of brought it on of platform tennis shoes. Yes. I miss the platform tennis and also pleather. I have to admit that <laughs> the, the fake leather that you could actually afford 
and it was skin tight and it was so tacky, but it was so cool. Yeah. It didn't last as long, but it lasted as long as it needed to. No, yeah, exactly. Cause you didn't need to wear it for two seasons. One season was plenty. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny because I was talking with uh, Angela and Jake about Le Chateau because they were oh, heavily you. part of your styling and, and everything at the time, the sponsorship and whatnot. So they, I mean, there's good to us. They were so, I, listen, I'm here to tell you, does Le Chateau still exist in Canada? Yes. I love the store. I, I still have items in my closet and I am not kidding you that are Le Chateau items and I wear them differently than I used to, but somebody always asks me, where'd you get that? I'm like, well, it's a long story, but um, I freaking love that store. I love, they were so good to us. And, and talk about being like, they were not just trend followers, they were trendsetters. And the best thing about being sponsored by them was that we could just go in per tour and go, you know that this is not gonna be fashionable next year, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's still things though, like I said, that are in my closet from Le Chateau that I thought actually stood the test of time. hundred percent. I've got at least four that are in my closet right now that I still wear. Yeah. From like 1993 on, that was one of my favorite clothing stores. hundred percent. I miss it so much down here. You know, the only thing that's comparable in the States is H, uh, what's it called? Well, there's Forever 21 and mm -hmm. HMS. Those two kind of do the same, like they, they probably follow the business model or they all, they, they're owned by the same company. I don't know. We, we do have forever 21 in Canada now, and we've had it for probably, I'm say maybe 10 years. West Edmonton mall definitely had a huge store. Yes. Yeah, they're so big, right? But they, but they closed down a lot of their stores in Canada. So I don't know if forever is forever 21 still in the U S existing in retail shops. Mm -hmm. I love that store. It is. I do too. Again, it's like, I know that I'm like over the age, I forever 21. Like I should not be shopping in the store, but I don't care. Like if I'm looking for one specific piece, like I want something to wear out underneath the suit jacket that looks like a tuxedo jacket or mm -hmm. something sparkly. Just, I don't care. I exactly. They're fabulous. Wear what you think looks good. Like, <laughs> you know, enjoy yourself. <laughs> I'm so grateful for your time, Shauna Ray. It was a blast talking with you. It was so, I've had so much fun. I'm honored to do it. And I will take, I'm, I'm like that horrible friend of yours that invites you over and makes you sit through all the pictures of the, their family vacation. I will take any opportunity to talk about Farmer's Daughter and anything to do with it. I will. You are amazing. It was, it was a wonderful time. It's going to make a great episode. So Absolutely my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Something about that boy just makes me get up and 
Thank you again, Shauna Ray, for being here with us today and sharing your story. We absolutely love you. Our next episode coming out is featuring one of the biggest house dance techno groups that ever came out of the 90s, Technotronic. And Daisy D is going to be here from the group. You remember Pump Up the Volume? Move This? Oh, yeah, you do. I know you do, especially if you're a fan of this show. So check it out next week. Daisy D right here on Dope Nostalgia. Until then, everyone, take care. Be safe out there. Hey, kids, put down that Tamagotchi and listen for a second. You know, you can follow us on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.